Yeah. 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 Come on. Welcome. Yeah. Huh. Plenty of room for everybody, man. Yeah. Bang. Come on. Yeah. Look. I gotta Never say though, a um, the cold open at the end. Mm. Uh, Tony Scott's one miss that does not put this movie completely over the top. If you didn't mm. think it was already over the top, how come he didn't use Van Morrison's song Domino nonstop throughout the movie? Ooh, Whoa, Domino. See, that would have been the Quentin Tarantino touch. Yeah, I think, or just, or the Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder would have done it. Yeah, he would have done it, like, every five minutes. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> yeah. It would have been, that just would have been the perennial, Van Morrison would have been accredited as the composer for the film. <laughs> yeah, and Zack Snyder would have, like, no one would have seen it, he would have, like, done some interview where he thought it was, like, it's really outside the box, subversive thinking to play Van Morrison's Domino in a movie called Domino about a character called Domino. <laughs> <laughs> he's, folks he's done it again he's done it again release the snyder cut hello and welcome to the award-winning podcast the academy academy the show that discovers the absolute undeniable and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career i'm don saunderson i'm patrick gremion and i just gotta say i love how you said release the snyder cut like release the hounds like <laughs> the snyder cut was gonna come out of the woodwork and maul me like oh, oh no i, I like paid, the flash I, I'm so- I, I paid for all of those billboards i'm the secret benefactor of the billboard oh. boys <laughs> you're the billboard prince i forgot frankly i didn't see either of them never will oh uh, <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm it's good, yeah. You're not missing out. I watched like half hour of the the seven hour one or whatever, and then I was like, you know what? I don't need this in my life. I'm gonna go for a walk. I get yeah, it, it, that's a really mature decision. Like, you could have sat through it. You could have done it. Yeah. And you said, nah. You know, I'm gonna breathe some air and go outside. Yeah. Read a book. There's a lot of books. Take on a hobby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Practice whittling. I've had it. I'm happy it made some people very happy, but yeah, it doesn't have to be. Doesn't not gonna. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you know, yeah. hey, different strokes for different folks. Different strokes for different <laughs> folks, and I, good, good um, transition there because uh, this movie that we're covering today is one that some people will find great pleasure in, and some people will find no pleasure in. Constant strokes. <laughs> because, yeah, 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 certainly. If, if you have any level of brain issues, like that, if like the if you if you take those warnings for flashing strobe lights seriously, yeah. and they are a problem for you, don't watch this movie. Yeah, yeah, this is a yeah. Or watch it and like close your eyes. Just close your listen to it. Treat it like an audiobook. <laughs> yeah, go to that dark room. Aaron Rodgers just spent five days in. Oh no, Aaron! <laughs> so he is deciding on his NFL future. By he went to this place in South, this retreat in Southern Oregon, like a four-day dark retreat where he sits. He's so Joe Rogan pilled that um, this is what he's going to decide on. And yet, I heard about it, and I was like, "Sounds intriguing." I wonder how much. I almost looked it up to see how much it costs to spend four days in a dark room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 
gonna lie, like uh I'm not I'm not in dark room mode yet, but I'm definitely I definitely want to do one of those like retreats where you leave your phone and all that stuff and, and just... no one talks for like seven days. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Just living I, in your silence. Yeah. I, I'm kinda into that too. <laughs> in all honesty, I dig it as well. Uh don't watch Domino. That's not part of that no. retreat whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, We're, no. Of course, covering Domino today, the two thousand five action crime film directed mm. by our friend Tony Scott, released October fourteenth of two thousand five. October 14th of that very year. Um, Domino is currently streaming on Tubi, but I don't know if you noticed when you watched it, we are recording this episode a bit ahead of time, leaving in seven days, which means I believe if this episode comes out on the 28th of February, which I believe it does, Mm. then I would get, try and squeeze everything in, try and squeeze in Domino today. Yeah, try to get it in before. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a a perfect use of Tubi. This is a yes. great Tubi film. This is a t- tremendous Tubi film. But if not, you could probably spend four dollars on it yeah. elsewhere, or pick up a DVD or Blu-ray copy of it. I think it's on Blu-ray. Certainly came out on DVD because this was a standard bearer at Hollywood Video in two thousand five. Oh, for sure, this is definitely something where, like, you know. I bet a lot of thirteen-year-olds were enamored by this uh, this DVD case. Yeah, this, I, this. Who knows how many YouTube creators came out of Domino? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Velvet Underground for yeah. uh, for the no Skinnamarinks one... of the world. Yeah, exactly. The Skinnamarink man saw it <laughs> and was like, "This is my destiny." <laughs> I haven't seen Skinnamarink yet. I have no idea if it's like no. It's at like all. <laughs> it's like I think it's the complete antithesis. Oh man, Skinnamarink guy, if you're listening, if you if you were influenced by Domino, please make please. it clear and come on the show. I want to yes! talk about this too. The other guy I want on the show is Richard Kelly. I want I want every <laughs> yes. detail about this from Richard Kelly. Oh my god! <laughs> I I once watched uh, Donnie. <laughs> The only time I've ever watched Johnny Darko, I watched it with my grandmother. And I remember my grandma just being like, they all can't be winners. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. What an awesome review. Like, shrugging shoulders. They all can't yeah. be good. <laughs> yeah, it was so great. I've had, definitely had a couple. I love I love my grandma. She that's awesome. And, that's, yeah, she that's terrific. I always, I, I have only seen it once myself. I only saw it when it, I liked it a lot. Oh I saw yeah! It when it came out and have not seen it again, I would. Oh, I, 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 I'm curious to see how it plays right now. Yeah, no, I loved it, and I. That's why I showed it to my grandma. I was like, "This is a good movie," and then, uh, then the grandma had some other thoughts. What definitely has, I mean, talk about a movie that like. I like those movies. Sometimes I'm a little skeptical of them, but like those movies that like blow your mind mm. between the ages of like 13 to 18. And like mm-hmm. change, and like this is you know get a poster for your dorm room, baby. Like, oh, yeah. like I can't believe it did that. You know, like the, I, you know, the Matrix or Fight Club or Memento or, I uh, currently I think everything everywhere all at once is doing that to a lot of younger it's, people. It's kind of a bummer. I feel like kids are too afraid today to put up the poster. Like the the two like worried about being like oh I'm that guy with the poster put up the poster it'll be fine get a poster I want yeah. the domino cutout I'd put that Ooh. up behind me yes, yes. that would rule having having a cutout 
I'll tell you what. I had a life-size cutout of C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Brought that to college. That is a fun prop to have. I had a friend who would steal it and just put it in like weird places around school. <laughs> I used to go to the video store and score mm-hmm. co- score them. Oh, that's so cool. We had at our house. They're huge too, mind you. My brother and I like shared a room at this mm-hmm. point, and we had Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh my god! We had the Usual Suspects. Oh my. And- and we had Braveheart, a giant Mel Gibson Braveheart. <laughs> so you could have done like uh, you could have done like a uh, king of comedy with yeah. like verbal Clint and like Mel Gibson. Mel, Mel <laughs> I don't know, Mel. I don't know if I have time to take over the show this week, Mel. <laughs> Sorry, Mel. <laughs> That's my favorite, Jerry. Jerry, I don't know. I don't know if I have time. <laughs> verbal. Verbal, <laughs> verbal. I'm talking, I, I hear you. I hear you got a big secret, but you're willing to share it with the audience. <laughs> yeah, we're all over the place this this week. Yeah. This is a wild movie. I this I had not seen it before. I did not rent it in 2005 mm-hmm. at Hollywood Video. I think I was very snobby. Oh, totally. Fair. I was like, give me Mikhail Haneke's cachet, please, <laughs> or something like <laughs> <Yes>. that. <Yeah. laughs> But uh, yeah, I remember distinctly that green cover, and mm. I remember the trailer and thinking it seemed a little messy. <laughs> yeah, a little manic. It has like yeah. a very like uh, it's very frenetic. Like who's Domino Harvey? Who's oh, the- I'm a bounty hunter, and she's like smoking and like shot from below, and Tony's mm-hmm. doing every trick in the book. Had you seen it before? I've seen the trailer a bunch of times, but I'd never seen the actual movie. I was under the impression that um, I did not realize uh, going into this that it was based on an actual. Uh, I always thought that it was like like a Fargo thing where like they said based on a real story, but there was no like character. Even though I have a feeling a lot of this movie is probably so there, fabricated. There are four details that I think are true. Yeah, there was exactly. a young woman named Domino Harvey who was the daughter of a famous actor who became a bounty hunter. Which is cool. Those are, that is the truth yeah. in this movie. Every other aspect of this movie is if there had been an explosive shootout, including helicopter crashes at the Las Vegas stratosphere, we all would have heard about that. Yes. <laughs> that, we, that would not have been missed by the, that by the universe. Prob- by the probably, national news landscape. That would have been more... I think that would have been more uh, captivating than OJ, right? Like, that had to be... That would have been, to, like... I mean, like... That would have been the, that would have been such a massive story. That's, that's insane! Shootout, the casino owner gets shot. Like, there's gangsters, there's, like, rogue bounty hunters, then they blow up the freaking strat... Uh, Afghan re- refugee... Yeah, post 9-11 blows up the, the fucking stratosphere. <laughs> that would be, I think that would that be a would, big story. Be a big I think story. it'd be like Watchmen where like Richard Nixon became president. Like George Bush would become president for like the rest of time. It's like an uh, Afghan yeah, refugee. It would have been, been an international incident. Yes. <laughs> like, like, madness. I mean, this, it's as silly as the plane landing on the strip in Con Air. Yeah, well, that movie, like, that movie is set on silly, though. That's like, there's a clear vibe. I get the feeling, like, 
Tony was like in midlife crisis, hanging out in Vegas every weekend. Oh during, no! During like, and I have no <laughs> no clue. Yeah, you know, there's no a little bit of that, that in there though. But it, the, between a... this and Beat the Devil, there's this feeling of like, was he just like hanging in Vegas, like going a little crazy? <laughs> Yeah, there is, like, yeah, you get a sense, man, this guy's maybe seen Blue Man Group one too many times. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, you know, to catch you up, Tony is coming off of Man on Fire, which I was doing my Tony rankings, because we're, mm. we've almost watched every Tony movie. Mm-hmm. I got Man on Fire is near the very top of the list. Mm. Man on Fire is a killer. And he's coming off Man on Fire, he's coming off of Beat the Devil, his mm-hmm. higher short, and all of the techniques that he seems to have fallen in love with in those films, mm-hmm. he seems to have said in Domino, I'm going to take it all the way and then some. Yeah. We're going to make an entire movie on these <laughs> techniques. And uh, I mean, you've got to hand it to him. There is no compromise in mm-hmm. this movie. Like, which is cool. I do like that. Really, really cool. Um, Oh, and the movie opens with this is based on a true story, sort of. And Jen was walking past. She goes, "That sucks." And I go, "I hate that too. I hate that." <laughs> like, they do yeah. that in all these movies that they want to like be a little cheeky about it, and it sucks. It's stupid every single time. This Man, this it, movie, yeah, and it. it, it <laughs> you go. No, go ahead, please. I was just to say, like, there's just a bunch of like recurring like. There's stuff like that throughout the movie where like. The movie thinks it's a little more clever than it actually is, perhaps. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think so too. And yeah, we should probably, you know, just like, you know, come out and say that, like, Tony Scott said in the aftermath of this movie, Mm. uh, he liked it a lot, but I didn't let the movie breathe enough. The script was great. Richard Kelly wrote a great script. But I got overcome by the insanity of the world I was touching. I think I fucked up on that one. Oh, no. I appreciate Tony's self-reflection. Yeah, that's that, that's honorable. Yeah, it is honorable. And I, re- I actually really dug a lot of this movie. <laughs> I really did. I, I think it is. You could make a very good argument that it's perhaps takes things a bit too far. It's a little too... <laughs> <laughs> a little much. Um, but it's okay, not boring, so though. It's, it is not boring. Even though, even <laughs> though it's over two hours long, it, it, it cruises. Yeah, it gives uh, a steady clip. So the basic storyline is, this is the story of Domino Harvey, daughter of famed actor of the stage and screen, Lawrence Harvey, probably best known. And the movie, because there's nothing subtle in this movie... Has a redneck watching the Manchurian candidate, so we can underline the fact that her father was the Manchurian candidate. Oh my god, yeah, that intro sequence. And Man. are there are there subtler ways to introduce the fact that she is the daughter of a very famous actor? Yeah. Is that is would that occur in this kind of movie? No way, sir. No, no, no. Or madam. No way, sir, madam. No, and ma'am. So she is a daughter of luxury and leisure, mm-hmm. but she's also kind of um, kind of no. She's a wild child. She has no interest in any of the oh, any of the like 
standard way of living from her class and that she was born into. Her mother is a model played by Jacqueline Bissett. We'll get to the cast, the rest of the cast in just a moment here. Mm-hmm. Her mother is a model who, I don't know if you saw it, she has a different name that she has to be cha- have her name changed, the real person. Mm-hmm. But uh, Domino's stepfather, who was her father, who was her stepfather at the time of this, was a guy by the name of Peter Morton. Ooh. Who you might know as the founder of the Hard Rock Cafe, and his father is Morton, the titular Morton of Morton Steakhouse. Oh my God! So a family of restaurateurs, and his son <laughs> uh, Domino's half brother Harry Morton was the founder of the Pink Taco restaurant chain. Worst name for a taco place, but all yeah. right. Yeah, and he formerly was a former owner of the Viper Room. Wow, the infamous nightclub here in Los Angeles that is now been shuttered. Um, you know, and most people know. Wow, the so, tragedy that happened there. Um, so uh, this family of big money, big success, but she wants mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. She dabbles in modeling briefly, mm-hmm. but finds her calling as a bounty hunter and this is where kind of the basics of our story is that this beautiful young british girl becomes a bounty hunter and joins up with a bunch of rough and tumble characters and gets into hijinks and adventures um though that's all true that portion of the story mm-hmm. um the and that's what attract you know so basically Tony Scott was sent an article in 1994 right. uh, by his business manager, um, written by Sasa Gervasi, who is a now a filmmaker himself who directed he... the My Dinner with Hervé movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think he also did uh, Anvil, the story of Anvil. Yeah, and he did he directed the Hitchcock movie with Anthony Hopkins. Man, this guy's doing well. All right. Yeah, but he was a journalist at the time and wrote this story called My Gun for Hire, why a movie star's rebel daughter turned into a bounty hunter. Um, Tony was like perplexed and thrilled by this story mm-hmm. and tracked down Domino to Beverly Hills, where he proposed immediately an idea to make a film on her life. She agreed and um, sold her life rights to Tony Scott. Um for apparently $360,000. Oh my God. Uh, Tony interviewed her, met her colleagues, met the bail bondsman she worked for, went out on jobs with them and got a little too close for comfort. He's like, yeah, I, Tony is a guy, man, God bless him. Like I just get the impression never rubbed anybody the wrong way. Everybody loved him. Like a like totally cool dude. Like up for anything, just like uh, yeah. kind of like that man's man down for anything. Like I, I always think about time. that. An- I, I always think about that antidote, anic- antidote, anecdote where uh, uh, him and like all those like producers went like you know camping, and he like was like, "I'm gonna climb that yeah. cliff without any like help, you know, without any rope," and he did I it in like this world of like privileged creative types who write a bunch of adventure stories and action stories, but don't actually Mm. have the nerve to touch it themselves. Right. When they meet this, like, freewheeling, Ferrari-driving, globetrotting adventure man 
who's also seems to be a very nice guy, de- nice and decent guy. Yeah, like a um, normal man. Nor- yeah, <laughs> uh, everyone is impressed and kind of falls in love with this guy. And like even reading the book and like hearing commentaries and things like that, like I love the guy. I wish I yeah love to have met him. Like, he seems like a very personable human being, which can be surprisingly rare at that level in this field, considering mm. some of the heightened personalities we've discussed in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's like and gets the job done. He's a great director, too. So mm-hmm. he's obsessed with the story, but they it took a long time. Mm. Like I said, 94, he reads the article. This movie doesn't come out to 2005. Took quite a long time to kind of figure out the story mm-hmm. and get people to invest in it, which is interesting to me because like that basic story model daughter of famous actor becomes inner city, Los Angeles bounty hunter. To me, it's like, if I am a studio executive, I'm like, tell me more. I want to, right. this, like, this is an intriguing group. This is a groovy story to me. Like, yeah, I like this it. writes itself. It's yeah. like that's I all, see this it's, movie. <laughs> it's already a Hollywood film, basically. Yeah, it's like, oh, I like that. Sounds great. Like, let's 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 dig in on it. So, um, guy by the name of Steve Baranchik wrote the first draft of the script, which in '97 Scott rejected. His second script was written by Roger Avery. Oh wow! Was also rejected by Scott. And Roger Avery seems like a definitely the right kind of guy. I mean, co-writer on Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. Killing Zoe. Rules of Traction. Oh, yeah. He's the right guy for this kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also rejected by Scott. Uh, he said, um, both, Scott described both of the scripts as kind of conventional biopics, mm. and he wasn't looking for conventional, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> as we were soon to learn. Uh, <laughs> finally, uh, after reading the script for Southland Tales, Scott asked Richard Kelly, the director mm. of the, at that time, white hot director of Donnie Darko to take his hand, take a turn at. Um, he was sent transcripts of Domino's interviews that Tony had done. He met with a lot of the people involved himself and did not read any of the scripts that Scott had rejected. In discussing the product, Kelly commented, Domino might be one of the most subversive films released by a major studio since Fight Club. And, uh, you know, we were talking beforehand about influences because I kept, I was, you know, True Romance and Quentin Tarantino felt like influences. But Fight Club is a really interesting one to look at as an influence on this movie. Because yeah. I think in the same way that Fight Club kind of like, I overheard, I think it was, um, sure maybe it was the chapo guys but somebody was talking the other day about how in fight club everyone thought that like what we'd be rebelling against in culture would be like consumerism and ikea furniture and stuff well, like that, that. It, well that we were at death the debt we we thought history was done and these were like the last fights mm-hmm. yeah like, it's we the like, same thing as that conversation it was the conversation they were having on that show about demolition man which we kind of touched on a bit too when we did demolition man that these are like coffee flavored coffee was going to be what we were fighting about or in this movie reality television and kind of that the way that and celebrity and that kind of thing and how that's and it turned out it was like far lamer 
yeah. <laughs> like, what people were going to be upset about. Oh god, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, you know, bring you know, bring us back to the simple halcyon days of coffee flavored coffee. Oh, dude, I would uh, and, get... and Jerry Springer and like that being something that people are upset about. Yeah, getting mad at like really bad, uh, you know, daytime television. Yeah, I'd give a I'd yeah, give like a month of my life for that. People were upset because television sucked. Now television isn't that bad, and everything else sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, yeah, I'll like, take that trade any day. Yeah, of the I'll week. take the trade. Give me bad TV again. Like, yeah, I'll I'll watch Mari Povich. I'll do it. I yeah. don't care. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, yeah, it is interesting because I think that they were, and I think Richard Kelly might have been onto something with what he was trying to do. I think mm. it gets a little lost in the shuffle in this movie with Tony's like crystal meth style yeah oh man that's an apt yeah very crystal meth yeah yeah as, so... as, as if i know what that means as if i know like yeah, I know. yeah. yeah, like, yeah exactly Some square ass podcast host you got here <laughs> yeah, we, we're nerds we're sorry we haven't done crystal meth not sorry. yet <laughs> sorry if, if, hey if you want us to do a crystal meth send us an email <laughs> At the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com or check in with us on Twitter at the Academy. Anyway. Yeah. The Crystal Meth Challenge. The Crystal Meth <laughs> Sorry, that was maybe that's a bad. Who knows? We'll do it. Who knows? All right. So they finally, though, with Richard Kelly, found mm-hmm. the screenwriter of Tony Scott's dreams. Script was in place. But now, what is the question of the hour? Who is gonna play the titular? Mm. Well, look no further than our old friend Jerry Bruckheimer coming to the rescue here because he was just finishing production and heading into the possible, but as we all know now, certain blockbuster status of one Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl Mm. in which he had cast as the female lead a young British actress who Probably Bennett like Beckham was their most yes. um was their breakthrough picture. Kira Knightley, who Jerry tells Tony, Scal's got the goods. She's mm. gonna be a big star. And he was right, because Jerry Bruckheimer sees all, knows all in, yep. in regards to these things. Um, <laughs> and all um, figure. And I could see you know, I could see why she would be a, a, attracted to this role because there is kind of this edgy like I played like the corseted damsel in distress. Oh, for sure. In these kind of like this, and then the forthcoming like Pride and Prejudice and like that kind of thing, like to let loose and go a little crazy, play someone edgy. And, Allows her to show her range. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Tony Scott's biggest concern was that she couldn't be edgy, mm-hmm. and so he's. But he was like, I could coax it out of a mate. <laughs> <laughs> like a shrimp on the Barbie. Like a shrimp on the Barbie. So, <laughs> in the picture, after a few kind of waves and nunchuck training, modeling, that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know yet. what nunchucks. If I was like a like grizzled bounty hunter and some like model shows up and's like, I can be a bounty hunter and does like nunchuck tricks. I'm like, what the, what the hell are nunchucks gonna do in a gunfight? Like, you know, like nunchucks are a bad weapon. I'll just say that right now. I don't they think are, they are cool aesthetically. Yes, like they look awesome in like a movie. 
But I'm not sure certain like as weapons has have advanced. Like there's that bit in Raiders of the Lost Ark where the swordsman like does the whole sword thing and Indiana Jones just shoots his ass. Yeah. That's kind of what would happen with nunchucks as well. Well, like, yeah, but then if you brought a nunchuck to a sword fight, man, you're toast. Like Well, I who's just I, I think maybe if you're really skilled, but I mean how many bounties are you going after people who are their weapon of choice is a sword. Yeah, Katana, yeah. Not doing a lot of like, yeah, you're not doing a lot of bounties in like Meiji period I, Japan. I, I actually think I actually think Tony missed on that because I think there is a um there could have been a joke scene where they like have to bust a samurai or something like that. That could have been interesting. That definitely another, would have happened. Yeah, another hat on hat, but this movie is hat on hat the movie. So That is true. I mean, might as well put some more hats on there. Yeah, could have been fun. But so she, though, finds an ad. She's sitting on it. This is the most insane scene in the movie. This might be the most insane. She's sitting on an urban wasteland couch. Oh, yeah. Somewhere in Los Angeles. Just minding her own. Nothing to do. And, like, an L.A. Weekly, like, skirts past her in the wind. <laughs> like, a, like a fucking tumbleweed. Yeah, like a tumbleweed. She picks it up and finds an ad to be a bounty hunter. That's how this ha- that's, that's that's how this happens. That's how she gets the idea. It's crazy. Like it's I was yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah. But, and it's like almost like we're almost entering the world of like magical realism at this yeah. point. Like oh, you are you like love, yeah. Yeah, this movie's so unreal. That's why yeah. I like the entire like which is weird because it's like I think the true story was good enough. That's dude. I was gonna say the same thing. You read about the true story in the Larry Taylor book, and yeah. if they had just done like a, a much more straight up like, I actually think that would have been an interesting conventional film. biopic. Isn't a terrible decision here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This isn't like a uh, you know, it's not like we're doing that movie starring Greg Kinnear about the guy who pre- invented like brakes or whatever that dude was, or was it seatbelts? I can't remember. I don't know. Uh, I thought you were gonna talk about autofocus again, and I was ready. <laughs> I mean that story was I think that was ten out of ten. I think we got we gotta cover autofocus one let's, day. We gotta like, do... finally like tear the band-aid on our, on that one. Yeah. Oh, those are just my two good friends, William Wolfgang. Uh, about two great friends. <laughs> two guys <laughs> having a fun time. Two guys having <laughs> touch my ass. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a great movie that is. Oh, yeah. Gross. Take a shower yeah. after that movie. But <laughs> yeah, greasy, greasy film. Greasy film. So Domino mm-hmm. uh, goes to some meeting in downtown L.A. <laughs> for bounty hunters. Uh, I like that <laughs> yeah. it does turn out to be like just like a scheme. Like that yeah. they're just ripping off all these poor Jamokes. <laughs> and they got great. They had great uh, extras for that. Great goons. So she strolls in. Her pants are like so low cut you could see her ass. It's um, yeah, it's a is... telling sequence. Yeah, very uh, early two thousands beer commercial energy. <laughs> yeah, the guys are like practically like Bugs Bunny, like some guy <laughs> seeing ladybugs. Like, <laughs> yeah, just Ooh, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> yeah, Fud, uh, Fud's eyes turning into hearts. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm gonna open a mirror, her. <laughs> you know, it's like, Elmer, you fool! But the meeting is hosted by bail bondsman Delroy, the great 
Delroy Lindo playing Claremont oh, Williams, Bale Bondsman. Always a welcome presence in every one, movie he's in. He's like up there with like Steve Buscemi as like one of the great actors that hasn't gotten like an like give him an Oscar. Just uh, he should have. Where was he for Defive Bloods? Where like, was come he? Come on, like where? Come on, okay. This is why I know the big awards are coming up here. Don't yeah. Don't put any credence into it. It has nothing to do with anything. It the the awards the 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 term award season might be the worst thing to happen to movies. I would take box office totals over award season. Yeah, at least there's like a level of honesty to like box office totals. You can see what people, the people want to see. Yeah, like, exactly. That's it. Like <laughs> yeah, nobody wanted to see Belfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like no. Kenneth sorry. Branagh. Kenneth Branagh barely wanted to see Belfast. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Kenneth. Yeah, like it's so. Don't. Yeah, it's all gibberish. It's gobbledygook. It's all gibberish and gobbledygook. Delroy Lindo, like where was he for the Five Bloods? Come on, man. Yeah, like, that come was on. So, come on. Anyway, he's um great. He's great in this. He's great in everything he's in. We know mm-hmm. that. Yeah, we all know that. And he's hosting the meeting. He is a bail bondsman who hires oh. bounty hunters to track down people who have skipped bail, basically. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment in the movie where I texted Patrick and I said, maybe we should do this for a living. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was the first movie. I was like, let's get into this. This is like a fun, like crazy job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably like, you know, beats uh, beats other day jobs for sure. You're, you're Hey, never bored. And the meeting is hosted by two grizzled, experienced. Well, one really grizzled, one semi-grizzled bounty yeah. hunter. One is a one, both one a former hunk, one a in the moment true hunk. Oh yeah, um, he's in his hunk phase. He's in a the, as hunky as it gets. Uh, Ed Mosby, grizzled veteran bounty hunter, played by returning champion Mickey Rourke. He's having he, a ball. <laughs> Who is wonderful in the movie, as usual. <laughs> Say what you will about Mickey. He has a presence that uh, is pretty undeniable. Uh, Mickey was the only choice for the role mm-hmm. in Tony's mind. Mickey, of course, being Mickey, turned it down. <laughs> despite the fact he was like not getting hired for anything in 2005. Uh, this is pre-wrestler. Uh, he thought it was one-dimensional, but they had the part rewritten... So Mickey could, uh, you know, chomp into it a bit more. And I think he does get a chance to because he gets to play in both charming and incredibly seedy. Yeah, he is like a combination. He There's like a warmth to him, but there's also a sleaziness to him. There's also this side of like, man, he will. He's a bad guy. Yeah. Oh, evil. Yeah. Like yeah. he is like a, like, yeah, every. Yeah. Not a guy you trust. I do like the running bit about everyone knowing Frank Sinatra that he kind of starts off in this movie too. <laughs> weird, weird movie. Weird movie. Yeah. Um, a lot and going on. So, and the other is what's his name? Choc- Choco? Cho- Choco. 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 Thank you. Choco. Choco. Yes. Choco, played by Edgar Ramirez, and this mm. was Edgar's. Um, this is like his debut. This is like one of his first big roles in the u.s he is a mm-hmm. um venezuelan actor who had done a lot of work down there and then um you know began to make his way up here and does this born ultimatum he's in che 
And then um, the role I first saw, I liked him in Che, and then the role I really first saw him in, though, um, that pops in, if y'all haven't seen it, there is Olivia Sales' Carlos miniseries, oh. um, where he plays Carlos the Jackal, where he really, like, I watched it, and I was like, this guy is going to be a massive star. And I think he's, like, you know, dabbled in it. You know, I thought he was really popped in Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Um, I love that his character in Zero Dark Thirty is named Larry. I know. But it's like the most obvious CIA like operator name. That's not yes. his name. That is like, yeah. It's like, all right, you're Larry. We'll buy it for this movie. Yeah. A really good actor. Really great presence. Total hunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but who hasn't really like found, again, it's like that unless you do a Marvel role, it's like hard to. Get yeah, get a Marvel role, or some tour director decides you're their guy. Like that's the only other way to do it, I think. Yeah, he's yeah. Had, it's it's interesting. Yeah, he does not have like a, a Marvel or a superhero. He's kind of mm-hmm. forged his own weird path, which I yeah. uh, I kind of respect that I a admire. bit. Yeah, great. Yeah. I like him and everything he's in, though. Whenever he shows up, I'm happy to see him. He's great in this. Uh, he plays kind of the um, live wire member of the group who might be a, a true psychopath but also like is like this puppy dog who falls in love with Kira Knightley Domino mm-hmm. on site oh yeah and she tells us like, the voiceover there's a ton of voiceover in this movie it's all on the nose and completely unnecessary mm-hmm. okay so we should know the framing device in this movie going back in time a little bit is a bloodied and beaten Domino in custody with the FBI, oh, yeah. where she's being interviewed by tough as nails Lucy Liu, mm-hmm. who plays the role of Taryn Mills, Agent Taryn Mills. And um, so Domino is recapping how we got to this point. There, that's the framing device of the movie. Again, not, not necessary. Not necessary. There's so yeah, I feel like this movie this movie's like crazy enough where you don't have to constantly comment on it or frame it and like if you just show us the movie, you'll be fine. Like, and I like and I would have liked to be surprised a little bit because like the domino character needs a moment that she never has in the movie of saying, Have we taken this too far? Yeah. Is this a child's game? That I'm playing there's a rich spoiled brat game, like rebellious brat game that I'm playing. That has gone too far. That's like, yeah. Th- there isn't any moment in this movie that actually humanizes her. There's no, yeah. There's no like point of like. There's no self reflection. There's no like, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, there's no realization. Yeah, that's totally. God, it, yeah, you hit. It's yeah. really, and I think that's what makes the movie feel a little almost unsettling, and not like it's trying to like just eat cake the entire way through and yeah. if you want to make a better movie i think there has to be consequences mm-hmm. and consequences that are better than what is to come we're going to spoil some more as to what's to come here so basically she there they don't take her seriously at first but she tracks them down and just like blasts the windshield of their car with this hunting knife that she's carrying yeah i, I that was such an insane that whole so scene. she she claims she's like I trained in martial arts forever, and it's like the only training we've ever seen her do is like swing some nunchucks on a diving board at her parents' pool. 
Yeah, like, it's like it's like the type no, of training like, I did when I was thirteen. I, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like when like my friend got a pair of boxing gloves and we each tried on one of them and then had a boxing match. It was a terrible yeah. idea. Might as well just have her with sock and boppers. <laughs> yeah, like watch it, or like she sits down and watches like six Jackie Chan movies and thinks she's got it. Man, which oh, man that that'd be a funny um, spin on it. Which is actually. Because that's really interesting. Because, like, you always know, talk about those guys who, like, watch, like, Born or, like, American Sniper and be like, yeah, that could be me. Yeah. Like, that's interesting. Like, a dilettante getting in too far and then having to actually fight their way out or losing. Yeah, that's interesting, too. But mm-hmm. they make her, like, like awesomely skilled. Like, yeah, she's, like, super hyper-competent. Yeah, yeah. And maybe she was in real life. Yeah, but it seems a little like that would be an interesting thing to explain. Maybe <laughs> like I, that see, is, that's like, the thing is, I would have loved like all you need is like a, a, a like a one minute montage of her like in different classes, and then like there's a scene where she yeah. like throws her teacher or something, and that's the symbol of her being like you know really good at martial arts or and she's shooting. like a savant or something at it. Yeah, yeah, she's like yeah, but it impresses Mickey and it impresses Edgar. So mm-hmm. she's on the team, and yeah. they, we see some stuff. They do this insane sequence where she, like, her first job, she suggests <laughs> to calm things down and get answers that they need, that she doesn't, like, semi-nude lap dance for the mm-hmm. guy they're trying to bust. And uh, really, a, frankly, an exploitive an excuse to get her in her underwear. Like, yeah, no, I hate that, because, like, I think what made me mad about that scene is, like, that, and then I feel like they try to, like, frame it as, like, she knows her sexuality and can use it as a weapon, so it's actually kind of a... Except, apparently, the real Domino, her biggest issue with this movie is the fact that she was fluidly sexual, like, bisexual, and yeah. none of that is presented in this movie at all. Cowards. Cowards, because it would have been a great, another... Yes! Excellent, interesting character and true touch it would have been interesting yeah and it's like yeah and it's just god yeah this was just like the peak i feel like watching this movie i had this sense like and it's not like we've definitely watched like worse movies for the podcast like no I, this movie is more entertaining than some yeah of those bad there's, movies a, there, 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 there's a lot of fun and to be had here but it it does truly feel like the 21st century in a lot of regards has been truly like a cultural nadir. Like it just, I, mean, I got the does, sense. Yeah, it, it does just, feel like I drank five Rockstar Energy drinks in succession uh, while watching yeah. this movie. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, and it's just like the like the Bush era was such a dire time for art. Like, yeah, like they it just, just they didn't know what to do. It was like either be like ultra heavy handed or do like bad satire yeah it's either yeah it's either you're like no fx releasing an album called buck fush or you're yeah. like fucking doing i don't know it just yeah it just, or it you're was making just, like was... stop loss or something <laughs> like that or, you know there was 85 in the valley of the law there were like 85 movies about like Sad Iraq war times. Yeah, or World Trade Center. You know, the old yeah. stone. Man, that's like the peak of that, I would say, in some yeah. regards. And also kind of kind of like unable to decide if you wanted to be critical or could be critical even. Mm. And like everyone being utterly petrified of like the Jerry Springer show. 
Yes. In, like destroying culture. There was around this time, do you know the British comedian Stuart Lee? I don't. Actually. He like uh he he wrote like a a Jerry Springer musical that was released in 2003. I forgot that like like Jerry Springer truly had like he had, he had a death like grip warm yeah on like popular culture and like New York Times opinion writers saying how like popular culture had <laughs> been like was was like that and like the fact that Survivor was the most watched show on television. Oh man. And Survivor is easily the classiest um oh. reality show on television. Easily. Up there with yeah. like yeah, that's a Survivor and the Amazing Race. Yeah. Like hundred like easily the Yeah. Yeah, and they had no idea that the of the like in like five years the Kardashians rival. Which would yeah. really, if in my opinion, really skyrocketed it that and social media because they were able to combine it because people no one wanted to be on jerry springer they gawked at the like ghouls and gremlins that were on Mm. jerry springer when the kardashians emerged everyone wanted to be a kardashian and that was worse yeah they can be themselves they are free to be who they are yeah the fact that no one wanted to be on jerry springer no. Everyone wants to be on the Kardashians. Yeah, everyone wants to be. Yeah, and that's and everyone wants to be like and now like everyone's life because of social media and this reality TV world that everything's filtered through. Like we all like we're all constantly hustling. Like yeah. the the this the the self that entertains and the self that just is is just it's one at this point. There's no Yeah, you yeah. Are, you have become a character. There's no real world at all. <laughs> Whereas before we were just able to gawk at, like, the incest having lunatics on Jerry Springer. Yeah, that that one guy who was afraid of watermelon or whatever. Yeah, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. It was a show. But now it's like, yeah, and that's why, like, you talk to younger people that can't watch, like, narrative things because it's not real enough. Yeah. It was just scary. Oh man, yeah, we've we've fallen. Wow. We're a fallen people. And so, like stuff like this, and Fight Club, and Demolition Man, and that, I'm sure there are there are many. Like, you see that part where Jack Nicholson yells at Leonardo DiCaprio and the Departed. This is a reality TV. You know? Oh it's like, yeah, and I never made sense to me, but I was like, oh, they, it was just like so, like the fear that reality TV was going to kill culture that was, was a big so deal relevant in the early 2000s oh dude and i remember in high school that was always like people were like because it's so much cheaper to make you know and why what's the incentive what's the incentive to make you know art yeah and that was the yeah now it's just like everyone just like bought in but bought in in a completely different way because it's not so much that they're going to become like idiocracy drones just watching people fart they want to be the people who fart Yes, they want to be the fartest. They yeah, want to be wanna... the fartest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so God. why are we talking about Jerry Springer so much? Well, <laughs> oh, okay. No. So this is when the movie begins to take a few divergent turns that are going to be very difficult for us to sound coherent. Yeah. We talk about. So these the plot lines that are happening. One, like us, we are like, wow, that's neat. That this movie star's daughter has become a bounty hunter. You know who else <laughs> thinks that neat? That's neat. Domino's mother 
and people who can market it like Christopher Walken. Yes. Producer Mark Heiss, yeah, who has the, a burgeoning reality show Huckster, who decides to pitch Domino, Mickey, and Edgar on doing a reality show about them doing bus. This is the same time as Dog the Bounty Hunter, mind you, mm. was on TV. So it all makes sense. Uh, Mina Suvari plays Kimmy, Christopher Walken's very enthusiastic assistant. Um, Chris Walken is awesome and hilarious all the way through. He just is a shining light in any oh, yeah. movie, any movie he shows up in. So he sells them on the idea, but Domino's like, We are a team, this isn't just about me, even though she is clearly the star. Like, <laughs> this is like looking at Destiny's Child in the early 2000s. So like, I like the other gals, but Beyonce is clearly the. Clearly a star. Here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Don't get me wrong. Like, oh, no, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at you in sync. But was yeah, that was the same time period, like TRL and like all the pop stuff that everyone was like, is this culturally terrible? Yeah, or like Anne and Nicole Smith show, like a darker yeah, version of that. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff and the Osbournes, Ooh, of course. Yeah. That um, looms large. So he sells them on it, but he's like, here's the pitch for the show. You need celebrities going in on these hunts with you. So guess who they bring in? And there is the weirdest Beverly Hills 90210 like theme, would you call it that? Yeah. Or motif or maybe a motif. It's so like it looms large over this film more than it and at least to my knowledge, ever loomed over. Now, to be fair, maybe Brian, Beverly Hills 9210 so was, was a huge phenomenon. It was, it was a huge phenomenon. I was there. Okay, okay um, you were there. So you felt I was it. there. I watched yeah. it. I was there. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> my, so favorite, I, my favorite my favorite moment in all of 9210 is um, the Flaming Lips play Ooh. the Peach Pit, the place that the gang hangs out at in an episode. They... The, this is at the first moment of the Flaming Lips being famous, and if you're a Flaming Lips fan, you know that this is a strange, a strange occurrence. For yeah, this band I feel to like show it... up and for these normies in Beverly Hills to be really into the Flaming Lips. I'm assuming <laughs> they're playing songs from Zyrica that like no, one it was album predates that. It predates that. It was. It, they, I'm sure they play. She <laughs> don't use jelly, which was their yeah. Um, and uh, Steve Sanders, played by Ian Ziering. Mm. Goes, I'm not much for alternative music, but those guys rocked the house. <laughs> oh my god, that that's Which actually kind of lips, fun. I believe the lips do play that clip before their shows to this day, because it <laughs> is very funny. They burned <laughs> that. That's great. That's so funny. So there's this weird thing that like Domino is supposed to live a Beverly Hills known two and lifestyle according to her stepmother. It's it's all very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but the celebrities who are brought in are Brian Austin Green, who played uh, David on um, David Silver, forgot his last uh. name, on on um, Beverly Hills 90210. And he was kind of like, he Brian Austin Green tried to launch a hip-hop career simultaneously with that, so he was like a DJ, kind of the, the white <laughs> hip-hop guy. And then <laughs> I, Ian Ziering, who, or not Ian, Ian Ziering, Ein, who played yes. um, Steve Sanders, who was kind of the jock on the mm. on the show and um they are brought in to host the bounty hunting show which domino is finds very ironic <sighs> so they start going on hunts they go on a hunt 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Delroy Lindo has a series of mistresses, <laughs> one of which is played by Monique, who plays Leticia, who goes on the Jerry Springer show as a 30-year-old grandmother. That's her, like, bit. Yeah. And there's a long, almost real-time segment of the Jerry Springer show that that plays out. Jerry yeah. is in it. Jerry's playing himself. Yeah. Um, it's almost yeah. as if this could have been edited out and nothing would have changed the movie. Like, And we would have never... Yeah. And what we basically find out is her granddaughter has a blood disease. Yeah. Right? Blood disease. Oh, yeah. hey, hate to see it. Yep. Mm, tragic. <laughs> she needs exactly $300,000 for this blood disease surgery to fix grand- her grandchild. This is the thing that is supposed to provide, quote unquote, heart to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> also, it should be noted on a side thing, we did buy a bunch of Jerry Springer videos off of eBay a few months ago, my friends and I, and <laughs> completely unrelated to watching this movie, and we watched Too Hot for TV at like two in the morning together one night, <laughs> which we laughed at and then felt very bad about. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. There was a day. <laughs> so speaking of needing a shower afterwards, but every single time Jerry says, let's bring him out. And the guy, and some dude, some redneck runs out and bum rushes another redneck and takes them down. I'm like, makes me laugh. I should not yeah. be laughing at this, but I laugh every single time. <laughs> Just like, and the crowd starts doing the cherry chant. And I was like, yeah, of course, this is culturally terrible. Of course, this is disgusting. Yeah. But is it more entertaining than watching the Kardashians go shopping and take Instagram pictures? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's much more entertaining. Like, give me, give me. There's some action happening, and then Jerry like tries to sum it up at the end with some like moral clarity. It's very weird. That's it's, that's funny. his final thought is like the funniest part. He's like, sometimes when your sister begins having sex with your brother-in-law, you have to say to yourself, "What has happened?" To our culture. It's like, Jerry, you put this on TV. You are yeah. at fault here. <laughs> yeah, Hi, Jerry, you're culpable, brother. You're okay. the... <laughs> so, they need $300,000. Meanwhile, um, I don't even know how this... This is where I'm at. I don't even know how we get to the armored car robbery. How yeah. Yeah. $10 million is being transported in an armored car driven by the great Lou Temple, who we will talk about more on the Unstoppable episode in the future, because mm-hmm. he plays a key role in Unstoppable. He's the guy who drives the truck, the redneck guy who drives the truck, who's Ooh. like on Denzel Washington's side, who comes up at the end where Chris Pine jumps off the truck, jumps into the truck that has to jump back onto the train. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a great... That movie came up the other day. Jen's like, what's that train one? That one's good. I was like, yeah, yeah. the train, yeah, the train one's really train good. Train one's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, like, let's hope they play that at Denzelathon this weekend. Yes. Um, please, please play please, it. Stop. Please play it. Um, anyway, there's an armored car robbery of $10 million. Mm-hmm. Um, golly, I can't explain it. I don't even want to. I don't even want to. I'm 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 calling a mulligan on trying to explain the plot to this thing. Don't can worry you, can, about can it. You, can you do it? 
Uh, not in the slightest. It is a. Uh, it's really, really confusing. There's so, something in. There's something involving like two groups of people. There's a robbery. Everyone. There's all sorts of mistaken identities. Some people might get killed. Some people might not get killed. Yeah, Bob my, bosses. Yeah. Dabney Coleman plays the head of the Stratosphere Casino. It's his money. His assistant is Peter Jacobson. He's a slimy lawyer. Um. One of the possible robbers is T.K. Carter from um, The Thing. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, also, uh, the mobster is played by Monk's psychologist, psychiatrist. Yes. This is a very weird. It's like seeing that Who guy. Has this not... really cool setup not to get surveillance where he has an underwater tube in his pool that he can make phone calls from, which is really cool. I've never that seen is a that lot before. of fun. I, I like that. I really like that. So all of this is coalescing. The celebrities, the reality show that Chris Walken's trying to produce, they blow up a trailer. Um, Edgar Ramirez is continuously has the hots for Kira, but then she starts like getting with Mickey, and Mickey's holding that over Edgar Ramirez's head. It's gets weirder and weirder. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of mistaken identities. The mobster thinks Dabney Coleman killed his son. Yeah, his sons, his frat boy sons who get arrested on reality TV. Well, it turns out, yeah, because it turns out the son is like doing his own little heist or something. But it might just be for fake IDs. That he's like shaking down Monique, who works at the DMV. For she needs three hundred thousand dollars to save blood disease having granddaughter. Kira Knightley has no um. No real moral qualms with any of it. Yeah, she's just having a good time. She's just she having seems fun, to be having a good time. She's on then, island time. Um, they get the they get the oh, and then they um, Lou Temple has the secu- the code. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about this? This part, yeah. There's a code on his arm, tattooed to get the ten million, like a lock that's been put under lock and key, and like seemingly a refrigerator. At his mom, Dale Dickey's house. Um, that's part of the cold open, too, as we see that first, that shootout, mm-hmm. which is makes no sense whatsoever. I did really love the bit with the dog, though. Yes. So she sends an attack dog at Edgar Ramirez. He decides instead of shooting the dog, which we all assume is going to happen, he blows a hole in the trailer that they're in floor. Dog falls through the floor, just to, runs off. You gotta love it. Apparently, awesome. Tony, Tony Scott, dog lover. He didn't want to kill the dog. Another uh, check mark in the cool Tony Scott, cool guy. Yeah, don't, don't kill the he, dog. Don't yeah, kill the... Had... great. You know, save the cat. Call yeah. call that screenplay book. Don't kill the dog. Don't kill the dog, man. <laughs> I remember, um, I went to a Q and A with David Gordon Green once for his movie Snow Angels. No one's. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's this part where Sam Rockwell's like sitting in a car with this gun. He's at wit's end and the dog is sitting next to him and somebody asked David Gargrave he's like oh I was so worried he was, you were going to have Sam kill the dog mm. and David Gargrave's like I'm not killing a dog I'll kill any person I'm not killing a dog yeah yeah I feel you there dude don't kill the dog anyway yeah <laughs> oh, okay so Lou Temple has a like a like a um code for the lock yeah. on the refrigerator that's holding all the money. Mm-hmm. But it's tattooed on his arm. Delroy Lindo is trying to communicate that to the guys in their trailer. They have 
Lou Temple, Brian Austin Green, and Ein Zering all, yeah. all taken hostage. Oh, yeah, they, they at this point, so, like, Ian Zering and Brian Austin Green, they're, they're riding along because they're filming, they were initially filming the, uh, you know, the reality TV, like, the uh-huh. pilot for the reality TV show they're going to make about these, like, the wacky life of bounty hunters. And but then they, it is... Yeah, when at certain mi- certain point when the mission becomes real, and this is I really like this idea, they are taken hostage by our bounty hunters because, and rightfully so, very smart choice. Celebrity hostages are great because you won't ever the celebrities don't get killed. Yeah, they're never gonna get killed. So yeah, good move. Yeah, good move. Get beat up. <laughs> Brian Austin Green gets his <laughs> nose broken because he's mean to Domino. He's a oh, jerk. Yeah. Big old jerk. And whereas Ian Zeering just wants to like, man, that was a tough day. Should we go to a strip club? Yeah, poor Ian. Yeah, he's just they both are having very a lot of fun with their personas and you know <laughs> playing on playing early version that has become kind of a common trope of the unhinged, like Neil Patrick Harris kind of like set the bar. Yeah, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle with this character of the unhinged version of yourself. They're definitely doing a riff on that for sure. They get it with like Michael Sarah and um, what was that one? This This is is the end. end Yeah, Bill Murray and um, Zombieland, and they've done it a bunch. And it was kind of like, yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, this was at a time when this was still like a pretty novel thing to do. I feel like Michael Sarah goes back to our discoveries because Dean Martin did it in um. Kiss Me Stupid in the 60s. Oh, that's true. He but was ahead yeah. of the curve. Head of the curve. But yeah, and they're doing it here. Mm-hmm. Playing shitty, coked out strip club loving asshole versions of themselves. <laughs> or maybe true. Who knows? I don't know who these, I don't know what these guys deal is at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do the work to look into yeah. it. <laughs> don't worry. You're good. So they're all there in this mm-hmm. this RV. Mm-hmm. They so Delroy Lindo's trying to explain, but this is in the days when cell phone reception was bad, mm-hmm. and they're like, "You got to get it on his arm." And they hear it like basically they got to get his arm. Yeah. So um, Edgar Ramirez hops into action, and this is not <laughs> this is not proper surgery. I'll put it no, <laughs> very. This is what he's about to do is very rude. It's very, very, yeah. it's very rude. I would not <laughs> do this to a friend. <laughs> Remarkably rude. Yeah, not do this at a dinner party. He takes a sawed-off shotgun. <laughs> just like starts firing rounds into Lou Temple's shoulder and like tears his arm off. Like it's like it's all oh, it's gross and it's great. It's gross. Yeah. It's gross. It's awesome. It, it is just a great, insane, heightened moment in the movie where it's, I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm on the wave, same wavelength as this. We're having fun. Yeah, this is wild. <laughs> wild. I love it. <laughs> and this is not even the wildest thing to come because there's no. crazier stuff to happen. They t- rip off his arm. They get the dough. They leave him behind. He's somehow alive. I crazy he didn't just immediately faint or die like it is you die you die if you if that happens to you 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 bleed out you heart attack bleed out you name it you're dead yeah you're dead you're dead you're toast somehow he makes it kind of walks it off which good for him i guess (laughs) yeah yeah i'm okay like he's just not not that kind of movie i guess (laughs) yeah (laughs) And then they start driving, and then they find out that his mom 
Dale Dickey, enough for oh, we should note Lou Temple's name in this movie is Locus Fender. Wow, yeah, what a great character name. His mom is Edna Fender. <laughs> great character name. So his mom, Mickey Rourke, kind of innocuous, is like, "Hey, you got any coffee?" <laughs> Like sure, she pours. She makes him a pot. Yeah, cool. Uh, secret ingredient in that pot of coffee. That's right, folks. Mescaline. Oh what? no! What, what the hell? What? Who's to say? I don't know. I don't I think get we're. It. I think we're about to get a little trippy. Oh yeah. Mm. So they all crush a bunch of mescaline. <laughs> all of them. Einzering and Domino and everybody. Like, yeah, they're no one's having fun. No one's having fun. Oh, and we should note the fourth member of their crew. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Alf. Oh, and, um, who's played by Riz Abbasi? Um, yeah, who is an Afghan refugee who is fighting his own battle against the Taliban. Yeah, it just throw that out. Yeah, was that like a like a vanilla, lay a like a sugary sweet vanilla layer to this cake, this cake, this madness cake yeah. that we're all eating? Yeah, is that like another? Yeah, just another layer of whipped buttercream yeah, frosting. You, you take, you're like, you take a bite. It's like, oh wow, did you put like rosemary in here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, is this cardamom? Like, is this cardamom in yeah, this giant vanilla? Yeah. Did not see that um, coming. Yeah, so, I liked um, uh, the flashback to him as a kid when uh, he like blew up. Like he's just I like was so stoked too. It's like, oh Tony, you're gonna like use this minor flashback and do a major explosion sequence. <laughs> yeah, it's just flying yeah, in the air for like flying. sixty feet. It's so good. That it's is like, cool. I, <laughs> yeah, like telling the butt, talking to the butt people behind the budget. Yeah, we can do this for this very minor flashback. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta we gotta show he like knows a thing or two about bombs. He but he's uh, he drives their caravan, their mm-hmm. RV. He gets wasted. He's driving. They're all wasted. They're laughing, but they're scared. He takes the thing off road. He sends this thing. You remember in Dark Knight where Batman flips the um, semi truck that Joker's in? Yeah, it's the closest closest parallel. The thing does like four <laughs> flips. Yeah, it turns lands, out that yeah, it lands there. Somehow, every one of them makes they're it. Fine. Yeah, they're they all kind of fine. They stumble out of there. They're stoned as hell. So, guess what time it is? Naturally, a full-scale nude sex scene between Domino and Edgar Ramirez. Like, yeah, I guess like we're horny now. If we're horny now, it's time. <laughs> yeah. This movie needed it. Like, <laughs> you know, like. It, it's like the, uh, you know, halfway point, I imagine, or maybe a little further in. It's like, yeah, it's time. Who's to say? Yeah, Who's I guess they love each other. All right, whatever. Maybe, or maybe they he, don't. He's been simultaneously hunky and sexy and also the like scariest. He literally like blew a guy's arm off. Yeah, he's like a real joker. He's like a real life joker. He's and... a, scary, a scary man, but maybe so sexy that overwhelms how scary he is. And I guess the mescaline's probably... I feel like that's probably part of it, too, is they're so, all mescaline. I don't they, know. Yeah, and then they find some desert furniture, and they take seats, and <laughs> they, they hang, hang out. out. And, wait, 
whose music is that? I mean, who's who's that? Oh my god, that's Tom Waits music. Oh, holy crap, Lois, it's Tom Waits. Tom Waits stumbles in as the Wanderer. God, what a God gives him a bunch of religious fiddle faddle. That's the best way to put it. It is like, okay, this is like an annoying, like, this is like definitely like guy who thinks Tom Waits is like Bill Murray, like, you know, in Rushmore. It's like, it's like that level of like reverence for, it's like Tom Waits is so cool. We're going to make him this badass character named The Wanderer. Yeah. And he had to be buddies with Tony Scott because there's no other reason he would have gotten near this with the 10 foot pole. Oh, yeah, they're definitely... They, I can see Tony and Tom yeah. frequenting the same uh, murky bars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up, gives him a bunch of fiddle-faddle, tells it, gives him, you gotta save that little girl. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, this weird, like, like shambling Yoda. <laughs> and it's just to like give this movie any moral compass, basically. Yeah. Is this idea of this very, very minor character. Mm-hmm. Monique, who's who's good in the movie, does a good job. Gets the Jerry Springer sequence. One of my favorite sequences in the movie. (laughs) I like I like uh, her and her like they're they're, the. I feel like the only thing that like truly feels emotionally honest in this movie uh, is the relationship between the four DMV friends and Delrindo. Yeah, yeah, they all like yeah. you. Delarindo's like a, he's like a father figure to all yeah. these weird, his all his weird lovers, I yeah. guess. It, it's a very odd, it's odd, this it's, is not odd. odd. Yeah, it's really weird. So, um, they're gonna deliver the cash, they tell Dabney Coleman that they're gonna deliver his cash back, they're gonna skim 300 mm-hmm. off the top, they give it to Monique, somehow they all say, I love you, Domino. I love you. And they hug. It's like, she had a pool party once. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so they, they go to Vegas to the stratosphere, which Dabney mm. Coleman on stratosphere at this point was a very, like, now I think it has this, like, very, like, shady quality to it. Cause it's like at the furthest end of the strip. It's close to the Trump, ta- the Trump hotel. Yeah. It's like, but at once, at one point, it was the hot place because it had a roller coaster on the roof, and that's neat. Mm. Uh, I've never been there. Um, I've never because it's far, like too much of a stroll, frankly. Yeah. Every time I've been to Vegas, it's like that seems like a lot of effort for not a lot of reward. Yep, I'm gonna like, stay at the Circus Circus. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll <laughs> stay at the. I'm gonna stay in New York, New York. There's yeah. a roller coaster there, and it's a fake New York. It's crazy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay at the Eminem Museum. <laughs> that wonderful time. It was like just like, oh, we got Paris, the casino. We got Venice, the casino. New York, New York, the casino. It was like, <laughs> how about Paris, Texas, the casino, or something like. That. Yeah, we need some. Yeah, get some other uh, capitals in there. Yeah, Moscow, Idaho, the the casino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there, we're at the stratosphere. Meanwhile, this gangster guy, Anthony Sigaliti, Sigali- I'm so bad at names. I gotta give up. No, I just yeah, give up. Okay. Give up. Uh, it's, it's, it's Monk's therapist. It's Monk's therapist. Yeah. He thinks his his frat boy sons have been killed by Dabney Coleman. So he shows up, <laughs> and what do we have here? Do we have ourselves an enemy of the state in a true romance situation? <laughs> we absolutely do. All of our characters are coalescing with bad information on a place. 
with bad intentions and bad information. This is a Tony Scott trope by this yeah. point. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, put it on TV trips, brother. It is a classic Tony Scott standoff. Yeah. Do we got cops? Yeah. Do we got casino goons? Absolutely. Do we oh, got yeah. mafia goons? Yep. And do we have our heroes caught in the middle of all of it? Absolutely, we do. Mm-hmm. They get there. This is pretty good stuff. It has no, there, like we mentioned toward the top of the episode, there is no lick of truth in this whatsoever. This is, yeah. <laughs> but do they accidentally open fire on each other? Do we have a full-scale gunfight in the top of the stratosphere with a helicopter on the outside firing in <laughs> on the stratosphere? Yep. Yes. Is it great? Yep. It's go- yeah, It's a terrific action sequence. You know, can't ever fault Tony. Does a helicopter go down? Yeah. The helicopter pilot gets shot. They all the FBI guys go down. Everyone pretty much Everyone goes good. down. Dabney Coleman goes down. The his lawyer goes down. The 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 mafia guys oh, they're they're dead. on their way out of there. Alf is hit. Then really like almost unceremoniously, both Mickey and Edgar get hit. <laughs> and bad. Real bad. Yeah. Everyone's not doing like 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 uh Mickey Rourke has a gut shot. Like he's not he's, he's not walking this world. It's not good. And yeah. but like she's getting she grabs two assault rifles and does a two-handed, like almost Chuck Norris level like like assault on all the bad guys. The entire thought of her killing anyone is out the door, if that's an well. issue. She kills a ton of people. <laughs> Meanwhile, we find out that Alf has rigged a ton. Of C4. Mm. And he's got it connected to a TV remote that they let him in with, which very funny. We all, mm. everyone and their mother could have told you that. that, that oh, was, yeah. Why is this guy carrying around a Roku remote? <laughs> like, <laughs> that has to be something. He just, yeah, just that... accidentally bring his remote from home. <laughs> yeah, he's not like, you know, hoping that it'll work on some TV, like a. Some weird sword yeah. in the stone situation. Yeah, finding the perfect to, television. Like, yeah, he wants to like catch Survivor, which would have been a <laughs> funny touch. <laughs> oh, Survivor's like, on. Oh, Survivor. I can't miss Survivor. Um, so we find out he's going to blow up the place. That he's also sent most of the money to Afghanistan to help out freedom fighters. <laughs> So crazy. Why so not? And they're all just throwing like money's just being thrown in the air. It's like, yeah. And he's like, go, go, go. I got this. She drags Mickey Rourke and Edgar Ramirez into the elevator. It's mm-hmm. at the top of the stratosphere, so we've got a long way down. Mm-hmm. She hits the elevator. It's a speed elevator, but it's like going, going, going like 90 floors or whatever. But then the, the guys finally get to him. He has to press the button. Guy blows up the top. Blows up the stratosphere. They all die. Yeah. Everybody at top. The elevator gets ripped from its cables. It's flying down like twenty-five stories as fast yeah. as possible. Yeah, we do Worried. not see. We unfortunately do not see the landing. Quentin Tarantino would have absolutely, in his script, made sure we see the impact of their landing. <laughs> yeah, that would. I would imagine it would hurt. <laughs> if this is a sicko movie, we need to see it. Come on, yes. show it. We saw that guy get his arm blown off. Let's see them get crushed in this elevator. I want to see the, the pancakes that may be made. Uh, I want to see somehow, the pancake people. Somehow Kira survives it. Uh, we <laughs> do also get a shot briefly of the real Domino standing outside of the casino as it blows up smoking a cigarette. <laughs> in her cameo, which is 
Inexplicable. Inexplicable, but who cares? Yeah, um, whatever. Having who fun. Gives, who gives a shit? And then um, yeah. we find out that Edgar and Mickey, unfortunately, did not make it. But no. the three hundo did get to the <laughs> your hospital, take three hundred thousand dollars in cash. <laughs> <laughs> Save the blood disease, baby. Yeah. <laughs> And it looks like it's going to work. And boy, if 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 we could save one child, mm-hmm. you know, then maybe maybe we're not so bad after all. Mm-hmm. That's the message of this movie. Hey, you could be an evil bounty hunter who, uh, you know, destroys yeah. a, a, a a Las Vegas hotel. But yeah. if you're if you're curing that kid in the hospital, it's a you're going to heaven. It's A-okay. all good. And. <laughs> Yeah, and Delroy and that crew fortunately gets away with everything for the most part, it seems. Mm-hmm. And then um, Domino just gets released mm. by the FBI. So, yeah, well, <laughs> what's that? The end of Burn <laughs> After Reading. <laughs> what did we learn? <laughs> Not to do it again. I yes. Burn after reading is talking about oppression more, much more so than this. For what actually yeah. went down with the world, <laughs> yeah. But and Domino gets free, and she goes for a swim. Yeah, and then we find out, um, and we'll get into that in a moment here, that uh, the real Domino did pass away mm-hmm. in two thousand five. Cut to the credits, end of the movie. Ooh, strange, strange movie. Yeah. Um the um Oh but Tony did say that the Beat the Devil spot was a testing ground for Domino as well. <laughs> this movie had a fifty million dollar budget. Um, oh wow. So And you not, see it. Not not inexpensive. Yeah. And you do see it, yeah. I mean it's yeah. all there. Um apparently um due to uh, the de- relationship between Scott and the real Domino had deteriorated toward the end of the shooting and making of this movie. A mm-hmm. lot of that could be contributed, though, that she was in the perils of a massive drug addiction at the time. Apparently her and the real person who played um, the real uh, Mickey Rourke character were heavy mm-hmm drug users which is not in the movie which is another thing i think that they're probably being careful with but probably should have been in the movie mm-hmm. um and um despite all their attempts to help her um and many rehab stays she did pass away from a fentanyl overdose um i believe it was something like three months before the film came out yeah i think you're correct there um, which is very, very sad. Yeah. Um, and kind of does put another dark spot on this movie that is like all that has very little consciousness to it. Yeah, it is like this thing where like, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, it, I feel like the Domino, like the real person is such an interesting, complex. Like she's just like her life is, you know, unique, right? Mm-hmm. Like not a lot of people went down the path she went the way she and you know got there the way she got so like i don't know yeah it's like i might a... posit that tony scott was a little too close and he yeah. didn't want to be critical or really dive into the perceived psychology of her decision making and yeah, who she it's, was it's tough it's yeah especially yeah i mean it's yeah 
It's hard. It's hard to glamorize her a bit more because they were friends. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, you know, you can't really like, you know, are you a friend first or are you an artist? Or, you know, yeah. In that situation, that's tough. It's really tough. Um, and I think that leads to this movie kind of ha- its highs being so high and its lows kind of being pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, movie was uh, release date was announced and delayed several times. Never a great sign. Mm-hmm. Um, original release date was supposed to be August, August 19th, 2005. That was changed to November 4th, 2005. Um, Domino Harvey passed away on June 28th, 2005. And then it was finally moved to its official release date of October 14th, 2005. Uh, film opened to fairly middling box office and it dipped from there. It only made $23.5 million at mm-hmm. the box office. Um, generally considered a box office flop. Yes. Um, and I think this is really... In the Tony, within just Tony Scott's filmography, Revenge, Last Boy Scout, True Romance, this one, are all kind of in that same boat. When he kind of pushed the nastier side mm. things and the bad behavior a little too far for the audience that was more used to maybe his Bruckheimer collaboration. Right. Side. Something, something a little uh, comparatively tasteful. Yeah, and I mean, he kind of does walk the line. I like all of those movies that I just mentioned, yeah. but they are—they they all have tasteless elements to them. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's a tough. It can be a tough sell for some folks. And for they sure. just—they're not as pleasing as Top Gun. They're yeah, not no. as pleasing as Crimson Tide or Enemy of the State. No. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not slick. Either. Yeah, that, I was gonna say that's the thing. It's like Top Gun and. Uh, and Crimson Tide, they're these well well oiled machines, and you kind of know where they're gonna go, and you they're you know, they're gonna hit certain beats, and you anticipate them hitting those beats because that that feels good, <laughs> you know, it feels good it, for those beats to be hit. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But uh, also didn't help that critics were not particularly fond of this movie. Uh, yeah. It currently sits at an eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, but. Yeah, not ouch. to say that that is an arbiter of truth machine, but that is not great. Because yeah. um, this states, the life story of model turned bounty hunter Domino Harvey struggles to get out of this overwrought and excessive biopic. Mm. Audiences gave it a C plus cinema score, which is not a great, like, not not a great one either. Um, Owen Gleiberman of the Entertainment Weekly, who is not my favorite critic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the guy who does those worst movie of the year lists on Variety. Oh, mm. yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm not like a big. I've you know, he's one of those names that I feel like I've seen like a million it, times. It's like Pete it's Travers. Not, I don't yeah, know. and he like um, he's put out this article. It's like our mediocre movies, the secret to box office success, and he was calling out things like Ticket to Paradise and. 80 for Brady and Man Called Auto. It's like, those aren't mediocre movies. Those are, sir, they might be mediocre to you, but they are serving an audience. Yeah. They like, fill, you they, know who they, they are serving? My mother. Yeah. My mother likes they, all of those movies. They fulfill, <laughs> they fulfill a, a role. They yes. like, yeah. 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 Just, be, just because like you don't like them, I yeah, don't know. That does not make them bad. They just yeah. makes them not for you, man. man this he... is what Scorsese was saying. Movies for everyone. 
That's what we want. Yeah. And then, and like, and then there we should need... be there should be Tar, there should be Ant Man, and there should be eighty for Brady, among many, many, and there should be Domino. There should be all of them. It's like having a healthy ecosystem. You need yeah. all stripes. They need to be working in unison because that's if you don't, if you just have Ant Man's or if you just have Tars or yeah. Or, Everything falls apart. You need like a little, little bit of every. And, you, and, and, an I, want, and I want, and I am an old country buffet man. I want to, I want to dabble. Yeah, I want to take a snack. I want to have sushi next to my slice of pizza next to my fried chicken. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I don't know if I talked about this with you, but uh, my, um, I was uh, uh, getting, uh, I was getting uh, my. Uh, so there was something wrong with like my phone. And I was like getting it like fixed. There's like a little kiosk at the Grove, and so I was getting it fixed. And they're like, eh, "It's gonna be like three hours." And uh, I was like, "Oh, that's a long time." And so uh, <laughs> I had I have like AMC, like I have like an AMC Stubbs thing pass or whatever. And I saw eighty for Brady <laughs> waiting. I saw, you, did not, like, you did not. You did not post that on uh, Letterbox. <laughs> I haven't yet. I need to post it on there. I forgot to. Uh, but I, I I saw eighty for Brady, and I uh, I like you know I uh, you know didn't have to pay anything. And uh, you know what? I'll be honest. I I left like an hour and a half into the or an hour into the movie. I left halfway through, but it wasn't bad. Like I had like a good like I don't know. Like it seems to fulfill its goal. It's fine. That's what we want from our movies. I might want my mom's in town this weekend. We may end up seeing it. As well. That's the thing. Like if I had gone with my mom, I would have been so fine with staying there the whole time. I think I would have enjoyed. Uh, it was. It was. It wasn't like it's. It's fine. It was nice to get out of like the heat for a little bit or the cold. Cold, I guess at the yeah, time or whatever. It's nice to be like, out, man. It's nice to yeah. be out at the movies. So yeah, anyway, have, a, have a popcorn. Yeah. Owen gave Domino a D. D for Domino. And described it. This is actually quite funny. Trash (laughs) shot to look like art imitating trash. That's, you know, I'll give him that. You gotta give him that. I'll give you that, Owen. Fine twist of Fun turn of phrase there. You late this time, <laughs> Owen. And he said it was so dense with Erstat's um, Elmore Leonard convolutions that it managed to stay three steps of the audience and four and four steps behind common sense. Uh, all right, he's he's. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, he's funny. Had, <laughs> like, he's having a time. He's a, he, uh, he... Uh, Kenneth Tran of the Los Angeles Times said it's so overplotted that it's borderline incomprehensible. Also. Yeah, that's fair. 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 I'm not like, I, you know, do I think this deserves, uh, I don't think this deserves an 18%. That's a little low. Roger Ebert gave it three stars and said he admired it, though. So good for good on you. Oh, Roger. hell yeah, Roger. Roger, uh, Roger. Roger just likes having a good time at the movies. Likes, yeah. He's a little popcorn boy. <laughs> He's just the guy who did the Russ Meyer movie. At the end of the day. <laughs> He's a pervert like the rest of us. He's just a weird, horny man. He's a weird, horny boob guy. <laughs> he is a weird, horny boob <laughs> guy. Uh, I to funny. tell you. <laughs> well, yep. let's, let's call it like it is. Yeah. Uh, Calling a, yep. Oh, this was a weird movie. I see on the Blu ray that they have an audio commentary with Tony Scott and Richard Kelly. And I Ooh. would. Uh, Tempted to buy the Blu-ray to hear what they have yeah. to say. Worth a rental, uh, at least. Worth a rental, at least. This is a wild one. I'm so happy we watched it. It's not mm-hmm. Tony Scott's best, but it's one of his most unique. And it's fa- it, it really stands out. Yeah, in some, it's in some like, ways. It's like, is it? 
uh, at points, catastrophically stupid. Yeah. But guess what? You know what? You turn off your brain. You just gotta, this is one you walk into, you take your brain, pull it out of your skull, you leave it on the side of your, you know, you leave it outside for a bit, and you, you when you when you're done with the movie, you you dust off that brain and you put it back in. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> and you say, "Wow, that was a that was a damn trip." <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, that happened. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that happened, and that was kind of it unreal, a, and yeah, didn't see that coming, and so I recommend it. And yeah. if you can catch it on Tubi, as Patrick mentioned before, it is a it is a it is a Tubi treat. Yeah, oh, it is a t- trademark Tubi treat. Tubi treat, yeah. <laughs> um, if you are um, Owen Gleiberman, <laughs> check in with us. The Academy podcast. <laughs> Teach us how to write quips, Owen. Teach us how to write quips. We're sorry. Uh, stop writing the worst movie of the year list. It's pointless. Nobody likes it. Yeah, you're just saying it hits. You're only doing it to get hits on your website. You know it. <sighs> you come you on, know Owen. it in your heart of hearts. So send us an email, and you can you can vent to us. Yeah, tell us your editors are making you do it. That you yep. find no enjoyment in it. That even you, I haven't even seen it. There is no in hell, bones and all, is the worst movie that was released wide in 2022. There, That's a. I, cr- that's a lie. That's a crazy it's thing to patently say. Patently untrue. Patently untrue. I, and I say this like I, I wasn't like the hugest fan of Bones and All, but there's like enough in there's cool yeah. cinematography is yeah. really like, good. There's a lot of good acting. Like this is impossible. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. Like, that that is in a world movie. where yeah, yeah in, in a, a world where, where like Thor: Love and Thunder was released. Yeah, yeah, like, was ugh, like and even on. those. Come on, even Owen. those. Come on, don't write this article. Yeah, come on, Owen. Tall taste, man. It's not the, yeah. okay. But, you know, if you want to vent to us, or if you have, like, a poignant and prescient ar- argument mm-hmm. as to the importance of why a worst movie of the year list is a thing that should happen, mm-hmm. uh, check in with us at Twitter at the Agata Cat. We'd love to hear. <laughs> yeah. If you, have a, if you have a good argument, we'd love to hear about it. I don't know of one at all yeah um next week on the show mm-hmm. we return to ridley scott Ooh. black hawk down was our last ridley god it feels With, like a decade ago feels like a thousand and two years ago yeah <laughs> but this week we'll, next week we'll be covering the film matchstick men starring nicholas oh. cage and sam rockwell yes looking, looking forward to, i have not seen this since it came out like i said i felt betrayed by it um let's see if we still feel betrayed by mm. matchstick man um there's part of me though that wonders like what on earth was ridley scott doing a steven soderbergh like jaunty like con man movie not his style that is not that's very un uh very yeah. un scott yeah he, he's the weirdest man he's got the weirdest filmography like Tony's makes perfect fucking sense. <laughs> yeah, there's like a there's a clear yeah. through line through Tony Scott films. Ridley seems to be he's searching for something. He's searching, yeah, trying he to is. find we, it. And we haven't found it yet either. Uh, Magic Sickman is a rental or can be p- picked up on disc. Week after that, we return to Tony. Back to your reg- regularly scheduled programming. We're bouncing back and forth between the brothers. Ooh, deja vu. 
in two weeks' time. Looking, Looking forward, forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I want to revisit it. I remember uh, I saw that in theaters, and I um, was kind of confused by it. I think yeah, that's what I, I left saw it. it on a yeah. rental and was confused by it. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, you know being pleasantly surprised. Produced by Jerry Bruckheimer as well. Ooh. So he's like as usual. Tony, he had that thing in throughout his career. It's like he would go like he would do a big hit, usually with Jerry Bruckheimer, mm-hmm. and then go way over the line in some nasty bit of business. <laughs> yeah, and then go back to the safe space of like a blockbuster with Bruck. You gotta fill that coffer. Gotta fill them coffers. Uh, you gotta get pay for your house, man. Yeah, pay that mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then and do a bunch of movies where like Chris Penn is sweaty and like shaking somebody down. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, Matchstick Men Deja Vu up next. Deja Vu is can be rented or purchased, not currently freely streaming. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Four bucks. It's probably going to be worth it. Let's be honest. What is yeah. Tony's never let us down. Nah. He's never let us down. Ridley, on the other hand, we'll see. But that was fun. Check out Domino, folks, if you haven't seen it. It is psychedelic. And uh, for Patrick, I'm Don. We'll see you next week on the Academy Academy. And cue up that Van Morrison, Patrick. Oh, yeah. We're playing. And Domino is playing uh, now. What is best? Do it! <laughs> oh, <laughs> <I'm in laughs>